You're listening to the Shamelessly Feminine Podcast, the place for the kick-ass woman who needs a kick in the ass. Your host, Jen Rosenbaum, is giving you the tools to shed shame and live the biggest life possible. So kick off your heels, get comfy, and get ready to be the boss of your life. Hey guys, I am here today with Debbie Silber and I am just so thrilled to see you because we, I met Debbie when we did our TED Talks together, our TEDx Talks in New York and she's amazing and I'm so happy to have her here today. So hi Debbie, how are you? Oh, I'm so looking forward to our chat. Last time I saw you was like a hundred years ago at the Long Island Diner, right? (laughs) That's right. Talking about life, talking about life. Um, so you are super inspirational, and I'm I'm so glad to have you here today. We just had a little pre-conversation before our um, recording, and you told me everything. That, I mean, I was like, I want to have you on the podcast for everything I know you for, and now you told me all this new stuff you're doing, and I want to focus on that. So tell me a little bit about you, who you are, why people should be listening to you today, and then we will dive into the good stuff. Okay. Well, probably the most interesting thing about me is that I have four kids and six dogs. That seems to be the most interesting. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely brave. (laughs) Yeah. But the reason why I'm seriously on the planet is really because of this latest thing that, that I'm up to. And it's, I just finished, it's a, um, it was a study. I did a, a PhD program of in transpersonal psychology, and that's the psychology of transformation and human potential. I was so, uh, lit up by the topic of transformation because I was doing it and I wanted to study it more. And, uh, it was time for a study. So I studied how women experience betrayal, what holds them back, what helps them heal. And of course you don't dive into something like that unless there is so much interest in it. Well, of course, it was something that I experienced. You know, I had an experience with family betrayal, which devastated me. But you know how the universe works. If you don't get the lesson, well, it's going to come back harder. And sure enough, it did. And uh, that was with my husband. So I dove into this program and I needed to understand why people do what we do because I was so blindsided. And that's, that's the word we always hear about betrayal. But you know, when the people you trust the most prove untrustworthy, like who do you trust? When the ones you'd run to, when other people are causing harm are the ones causing the harm, like where do you go? And, and it was so baffling to me. So I, I dove into this program and every participant in my study, uh, we all went through the same thing. And this was, you know, they've, they had been betrayed by a family member, by a partner. wasn't always the same story, but they went through the same thing. And I, and sure enough, what we found was you can stay stuck for years, decades, a lifetime. But if you're going to go from that shock of betrayal to that transformation, you're going to go through these five very predictable stages. And what's so exciting is now we know what happens physically, mentally, emotionally at every stage and what it takes to move from one to the next. Amazing. So I love so much about this. I have like a million things swirling in my head right now. The first thing I want to say is how the heck do you get a PhD with four kids and six dogs? That's like my first question. Cause like, I don't even have time to shower half the time and I only have two kids and no dog. <laughs> you know, I swear it was when you, when you're so on point and on purpose, mm. this was, and it, I was just, I, it's nothing more than I, it had to be that I was so intuitively guided because I had to do this program. And 
I just like, I put my head down and I didn't look up until I was done. And I'm not saying it was easy. It was brutal. It, it was absolutely brutal. And I worked so often. And I remember, you know, it would be a night, a nice day. And, and friends were saying, Oh, we're going to the mall. You want to come? And I'm like, no, I have to write papers. So yeah. it was awful. But, but I, I really, I didn't trust myself. I said, if I, if I slow down, I'm, I'm going to lose momentum and I'm not, and I'm not going to finish. And I'll tell you, trust that word right there. Your trust is so screwed up after a betrayal experience because you don't, you don't obviously trust your betrayer. You don't even trust yourself. You're like, I'm a bright person. How, how did I not see this? So, so, and it's so interesting. One of the things that I'd love to tell you, you know, what we learned in the study, but one of the things that I saw so clearly in the study was people who either they were religious or they were, or even if they weren't, they gravitated towards either the spiritual side of their religion or towards spirituality. And one of the reasons was, well, first the sense of connectedness, you just want to feel connected to something. But the other thing was, I don't trust you. I don't trust me. At least I could trust in the universe mm-hmm. or God or divine source, whatever, right, whatever like. you call it. Yeah. 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 That's so interesting. So, um, all right. So I'm totally inspired. And, and part of the other thing that I'm inspired about with you is that you, you know, I talk to people all the time in photography, especially about knowing your purpose and knowing your why and doing everything you can to go for it. And you're such a living example of that. So I just want to applaud you for that. Um, I want to get into the, um, the nitty gritty of, you said there's five stages, right? Can we talk about those? Sure. You know, the first, the first is more like almost a setup of what I saw every single woman uh, experience and, and me too. And it's certainly, and I want to be really clear, there's no judgment, there's no blame here, but this is what I saw. And the easiest way of explaining this is if you imagine four legs of a table, right? So uh, imagine the legs are physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual. And what I saw with every single woman, including myself was, We were strengthening the physical and the mental. It's as if our bodies are taking us around to do everything our mind is telling us to do. And we have this ridiculous to-do list. And the biggest challenge with us is we're so capable. So we get it all done and we keep doing it. And we're paying very little attention to the emotional and the spiritual. So we're really good at doing and we're not as good at being. So when you think about that, if there are four legs of a table and we're only strengthening two, it's really easy to topple over. And one of the other parts of this kind of setup is when we're so busy doing and we're not busy thinking, we kind of turn down our intuition. You know, I just, I had this conversation with somebody the other day where I was saying that, you know, we're just so good. I mean, I just shared with you that I ended up in the hospital two weeks ago because my body just gave out on me because I was so busy doing, doing, doing. And I heard little indications in my body saying, "Mm, you better slow down. We don't feel so good. Things aren't so hot over here. You know, hello, are you listening? Are you listening? And then finally, I I just kept saying, no body, we got to keep going. We have stuff to do. We got, you know... And eventually gave out on me. And it was sort of my, I said it was the universe saying to me, hello, slow down. Why aren't you listening? And, you know, I have found so much that when you don't listen to the universe, when it knocks, it just keeps knocking louder and louder and louder until you listen. Um, So of course, at that point, I said, okay, fine, I'll take a nap, leave me alone, you know? But um, it is true, I think, for women, it's so interesting because we're so guided by our intuition. Like I always say, always trust your gut, it's always right. Always, always, always. But we're so good at shutting it off. It's like, we don't want to hear it, but we have this internal compass. So why do we do that? 
It is the strongest BS meter we could ever have. It is so great at guiding us, but we're, but we turn it down. And you know, every single woman in my study said, you know, I feel like something wasn't right, but I didn't Mm -hmm. trust my gut every single one. But that's what happens when we're so busy doing and we're not being, Mm -hmm. and we don't have the luxury. We don't take the time. And this is because we could do it all. So we do until we can't. And it's crisis to slow us down. Is it? I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Is yeah, it? No. Is it a logic? Is it a? Is it a um, emotional and a logical thing? Like, is it a battle? So, for example, I feel like you know, you might you might be thinking, I feel like my husband might be cheating on me, or something might not be right, or and then your mind sort of goes, well, what are you going to do? Break up your family? You're gonna, you know, can you afford to be divorced? Or you, you're gonna, you know, whatever it might be, whatever the the conflict is. And that shuts down the intuition, I guess. Absolutely. And and the thing and is, the we're, yeah, and we're having a conversation using the logical, rational mind, and that's the wrong tool for the job because this is all about intuition. This is all, you know, our gut is so much more perceptive than our mind ever would be. Mm-hmm. And we have these, you know, and our mind will talk us in or out of anything mm-hmm. or justify anything or rationalize anything, but it has nothing to do with that. Mm-hmm. You know, it, if we trusted and we listened, that's what would guide us. And I'll never forget, you know, sometimes it takes that dark night of the soul, you know, Mm -hmm. where you have just hit rock bottom. You have just tried all you can to slay all those dragons and you're done. And I, I'll never forget this moment where it was like, it was like my, my logical, rational mind was saying everything about the rules and what's acceptable and what you should do and, and all of these things. And my soul spirit, higher, whatever was saying, what if, what if this is all to do something really good with? And, and mm-hmm. what if this is what your family needed? And what if this is what you needed somehow? And, you know, and that doesn't make any sense mm-hmm. at all. You know? And your body's caught right in the middle because mm-hmm. you're, it's like, you're, you know, one, the, the mind is pulling on one arm and the soul spirit is pulling on another. And you're like, I just want to sleep. <laughs> yeah, this is the, you just explained the last year of my life, by the way, yeah. because of, you know, breast cancer does the same thing where you say like, oh my gosh, I was under attack and this is terrible and I have cancer and there's nothing worse than that. And then on the other side, you go, well, what if this is the best gift that was ever given to you? It's so hard to to comprehend. And I remember seeing a a spiritual counselor because I I just needed some guidance here. And it was for that reason. I trust the universe, you know, someone with a hotline, come on, connect me. And I remember her saying three years ago saying, Debbie, you have no idea how this is going to be. You'll look at this as the best thing that ever happened. You're going to be opening up a center. You're going to be having this huge uh, following because of this, because it's coming from a deep place of knowing. And and I'm thinking, you're just full-blown crazy. Why would I ever do that? Every single thing she said, has happened every single one. So you look at it and you say, was this pain worth it? You know, for me personally, it wasn't enough just to heal. I have to heal as many women as I can. Mm-hmm. Because then I, it makes sense. One other thing I want to say to you that you may or may not be aware of is that everything that you're saying also really applies to I know I mentioned the breast cancer, but it also applies to, I believe that it, in a way it was my body betraying me. And there is sort of that sense of betrayal and trust again in myself in that way where, you know, I always drank the green juice and I always did the yoga class and I, you know, I was always careful about, it. I didn't drink too much and I maintained a good weight and whatever. And I got cancer anyway. Yeah. And, you know, so like there are certain moments where you go to eat something or do something and you're like, oh, is this Okay. 
you know, where's my body with this right now? And there is a certain betrayal because I've been betrayed by other people as well. I'm not, you know, I've, I've experienced that. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, it's a, I just want to mention it to you because I'm sure other women go through it also where there is literally a betrayal within yourself sometimes. Oh, absolutely. And betrayal really is, it's the breaking of a spoken or unspoken rule mm. by someone you trust. So in your case, like you trust you, you trust like if here are the rules, the rules are, I eat well, I exercise, I take care of myself, I should be healthy. Mm-hmm. And, and so there's a breaking of those rules, right? Mm-hmm. So it, it doesn't make sense. And of course this happens. That's why betrayal hurts mm-hmm. also because it's always with someone that we trust. We trust ourselves, mm-hmm. you know? So it, it is, that's, we can look at it like my body's betraying us or let's say a, a sibling, you know, we're going to take care of mom and dad. And then where are they when mom and dad need help mm-hmm. or your best friend, you know, your secret safe with me. And then there it is on Facebook or, mm-hmm. you know, or a spouse or, or a coworker, you know, mm-hmm. we're going to present this to the boss and then they do, they do behind your back or you go into business with somebody and they steal the company funds. So it's any, anything where your world is rocked Mm. because those rules were violated. And that's, that's actually what leads to stage two. Mm -hmm. You know, it's that, it's that blindsided, you know, it's Mm -hmm. that, that realization. And here's the scariest stage because this is a breakdown of the body, the mind, the worldview. Here's the shock. Here's where oh my gosh, everything I believed in, everything I thought was real and true is not. And the body freaks out. Mm-hmm. The mind is in a total state of chaos, confusion, overwhelm. None of this makes sense. You know, I remember one of my uh, participants said, you know what, Deb, you know what it feels like? It feels like a combination of anything that could feel bad in your body at the same time you've lost a child in a crowd. Mm. Mm-hmm. Right. right. That panic and that, yeah. Cause you don't know where to go. You have no map. You don't know. None, where to go. none. And, and the breakdown of the worldview, you know, our worldview is how we see the world and it's based on a set of rules. So if all of a sudden we were living according to, okay, I could trust you. I'm safe with you. This, these are the parameters. These are the guidelines. And now I've just learned that that's not the case, your, your bottom just bottoms out on you. Mm-hmm. So it's the scariest stage and the body can't handle that. Mm-hmm. So then that then we go into this, the stage three, which is think about it. If you were walking down the street and the bottom bottomed out on you, you would do whatever you could to grab hold of whatever you could to stay alive. So stage three is really all about survival. It's white very, knuckling it, right? That's it. White knuckling it. It's so practical. It's if you can't help me get out of my way, where will I live? What will I do? What will, what doctor do I see? Who can help me? How do I, how do I get through this? How do I live? How do I function? Mm-hmm. And, but the stress response is still in high gear. You're in high alert right here, mm-hmm. you know? And when you do figure out how you can survive and you do figure out how you can make it work, you signal the body, okay, you know what? At least I feel a little bit safer. You slowly move into stage four. And stage four is finding and adjusting to a new normal. Mm -hmm. And the old normal doesn't exist, right? Like after the breast cancer, pre-breast cancer no longer exists, right? Mm -hmm. Pre-betrayal no longer exists. It's not an option. So I, I, I... talk about it as if like, if you ever moved, you're not in your old house, condo, apartment, whatever you're, you found a new place. It's not homey yet. It doesn't have all your stuff in it yet. You don't know your way around yet, but it's going to be okay. Mm-hmm. When you know it's going to be okay, you found your new space. You're going to make it work. You're telling the body we're, we're going to be okay here. Mm-hmm. You know? You're really careful about who your friends are now. It's like, if you weren't a good friend to me, I have 
no patience for you. You're out. Whoever You're very careful about who you spend your time with. When you feel cozy and comfortable in your new space and it's your, you know it's going to be okay, you slowly move into stage five. And that's the most beautiful stage. This is healing, rebirth, and a new worldview. Mm-hmm. And what this is about is now the body has a chance to heal. Now you're all about your self-care. You finally have an opportunity to say, you know what? Uh, Now I'm going to take better care of myself physically. Now I'm going to pay attention to those areas I neglected. Your um, rebirth, the old you no longer exists. And now you're moving into this new version of you based on a new set of rules. Mm. There's a new worldview. Yeah. So let's talk about that old you versus new you thing. That is something that I definitely struggle with in uh, through different betrayals of my life where there's moments in the new life where you struggle and you you have that moment of, I just want to go back to the way it was before because it was, but then you realize it's not there, you know? And even if it was there, it's not safe anymore. It's like, you know, you can't, just can't go back there. Yeah. Um, and then just learning to accept, okay, there's a new way. I just don't know it yet. That's a really tough I think that for me, for me at least, that's been the hardest part of the process, the most yeah. uh, turbulent internally. And, you know, even things like, um, you know, again, like going to the gym and not being able to do push ups, you know, but my mind is like, come on, let's go. What are you doing? Let, you know, you used to be able to do it. And my body's going, no, we can't do this anymore. You know, you got to just slow down. And I know I'm, I'm using cancer and you're talking mm-hmm. about relationships. But again, I just think that it's so similar in that way. Um, it absolutely is. Yeah. And one of the one of the ways to get through that and one of the one of the most healing pieces that that I really invite everybody to do, it's called writing a coherent narrative. And what this means is whether it's literal or figuratively, you're actually you're taking your your story which has become your now your life story and you're making meaning and making sense out of it. So it becomes a pivotal chapter in mm-hmm. your story. You're finding the benefit and you're like, benefit? What the heck kind of benefit? Like, you know, it's no doubt the most painful experience, but what has been gained? What were the lessons learned? What will you never do again? Anything positive that mm-hmm. you've learned or gained because of it, that becomes the new, you know, you, you, you compartmentalize it. You're able to make sense of it. And that's such a pivotal moment where you say, okay, you know what? I get it. I can stay stuck forever, but I can rebuild. You know, I use this example also, and this is going to, I'm sure this will help people too. When you look at the difference between, uh, let's say resilience and transformation and, you know, the old you may have been very resilient, it takes an absolute crash and burn to transform. And here's the difference. Like, let's say you have a house and your house needs a new paint job and you paint the house. That's resilience. Your house needs a new boiler. Get a new boiler. That's resilience. Needs a new roof. Get a new roof. That's resilience. Bouncing back, bringing you back to transformations like this, which happens after crisis. A tornado comes by and levels your house. New, a new boiler is not going to fix it. A new paint job is not going to fix it. A new roof is not going to fix it. So don't waste your time. Now you have every right to look at the lot where your house stood and say, oh my gosh, this is the most tragic, awful, horrible, terrible thing. And you'd be right. And you can call all your friends over and say, look at this. This is the most terrible, horrible, awful, tragic thing. And they would all agree. And you don't have to do anything. You can mourn your house the rest of your life. Should you choose to rebuild your house? Here's the difference. If you choose to rebuild your house, why build the same one? Mm-hmm. Give it everything the old house didn't have. You've been mm-hmm. there and back, you know? Why not make it the most beautiful, most incredible house? That's that's what you have access to mm. after crisis. 
So I understand that. And I, you know, let's go back to talking about relationships because mm-hmm. it takes two to tango, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, so building that, how, I mean, I think for me, you know, you see certain, like I have certain fundamental beliefs about a family and, you know, I, I want my family to be a certain way. And then when somebody else comes in and takes that away from you, maybe you don't know how to build that house right away. So what happens when you're sort of stuck in that in-between, you know, it, this goes against what I believe in or what I thought or what I wanted. And, and you know, in a way you are... Do you use the word victim of that? I mean, do you... I hate to use the word victim sometimes because I think it's like you go, oh, I don't want to be a victim. But, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes we are when people betray us. Yeah, we, we absolutely... I don't like the word either, but it's really true. It wasn't like, you know we did this, this was done to us. Right. And people say it was done for us. You know, it's hard to see when you're the one reeling from the trauma, but here's the thing, when it comes to somebody else, this does take two, because first of all, you may decide, um, maybe there was a greater reason for this and maybe it's worth rebuilding. You also may decide that it's not, but it takes the person on the other end too. And, you know, is there empathy? Is there remorse? Is there you know, is there a, a deep understanding of the pain that was caused? Is there change? Mm. And I can promise you, if there's no change on the, you know, as far as the other person, or if they don't take responsibility, or if they blame you, like, what are you setting yourself up for if you accept that? And you know, there's, there's this, we could talk about forgiveness too, because that's a huge part of this. There's an if-then rule in forgiveness that's so helpful. If you feel safe and valued and you forgive, you feel better. Mm. If you do not feel safe and valued and you forgive, you feel worse. Mm. So how do you feel if you're, if you're forgiving somebody when you don't feel comfortable or safe or feel like that person is really owning this and taking it seriously, Mm. you know, and I, and I think it, it definitely takes that person on the other end. What's the work they're willing to do, you know, and, and is it worth it? to you. Like I I had, you know, an experience of family betrayal and and this is how, you know, you're drinking your own Kool-Aid, you know, it was just very recently and I was in LA and, um, and, and here was a profound betrayal by a very close family member years and years and years, awful, awful, awful. And I'm at my gate and I'm at my gate and I had a little bit of time. So I was going to just go to the ladies room one last time. And I look over and at the gate and I see somebody and I say, Oh my gosh, I think that's them. And I start shaking. Your Mm -hmm. body knows. Mm -hmm. And I'm shaking like a leaf. And I'm like, oh my gosh, what the heck do I do now? Went to the ladies room, came out and I found myself. I don't even know how I, how I did this. I walked right up to him and I, and he looked at me and the first glance was like, who's this woman just standing Mm -hmm. here? And I stood there. There was no anger. There was no anything. And I just, I'm standing there and I, and then he looked at me and I said, do you know who I am? And he looked at me and the first no was no, as if like, I'm going to say no, and hopefully you'll go away and I don't have anything I did. (laughs) And I didn't move. And I asked again, and I said, do you know who I am? And he looked again and he said, no, this no was the no of now I'm going to try to turn it around as if somehow you did stuff to me and I'm angry. Yeah. That didn't work either. And I stood there at, Jen, I'm telling you, I was rooted to the ground. I didn't move. And I think when he realized I'm not going anywhere, yeah. he acknowledged me. And here's the craziest part about all of it. Then I hugged him. 
I hugged him. He boarded first class and we spoke for a few minutes, boarded first class. I, I must have passed him back to my seat, but I didn't see him. And I thought, okay, well, you know, we have five or so hours. I certainly made it easy. Um, and the whole flight, he didn't come back or anything. And I said, okay, well, at the very least, he could stand outside the plate and say, you know, have a nice life. And flight, you know, lands, I get my stuff. I walk off. I never saw him again. Mm. But, but you know what? The for, for But me, that's about you, not about, you know, that's on him. That's not, yeah. Yeah. But, but for the whole, that was for me a test in forgiveness because mm. there was no anger. There was no mm. remorse, but there also wasn't, I didn't want to rebuild. Right. I just, I felt free. Mm, yeah, that's so great. So forgiveness is really powerful and really difficult. It's the <laughs> hardest thing in the world. You know, we talked about, you know, before it speaks a language, the logical, rational mind doesn't speak mm. because forgiveness says, right, by all rights, if someone did something horrible, you know, you have every reason to be angry and hold a grudge and all of this. And forgiveness says, yeah, and forgive right. anyway, and not because of them for you, because if someone did something 5, 10, 15, 20, 30, 40 years ago, you know, you're hanging on to it. They might not know or remember or care and look at the life you're leading and yeah. what you're not doing because of that. Yeah. And what you're, what you're holding into your body. Yeah. So can you forgive and not forget? I don't think you ever forget. I don't think you ever forget. I think, you know, it, 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 it creates, and what I've seen in my participants and, and I feel it myself, the most beautiful, rich, strong texture of who you become. You know, one of my participants said it, I love this. She said, you know, think about what a mosaic is. It's broken tile, you know, all put together just so beautifully. Mm -hmm. And forgiveness, I guess, allows you to put it together. Mm -hmm. But but I don't know if you can ever forget, Mm -hmm. you know, but it makes you, I think it makes you just appreciate that much. You know what ugly looks like, you know, you know what sad looks like, you know what heartache looks like. Mm. So I guess it makes you know what joy and not being on purpose looks like too. So yeah. forgiveness is, it's, it's a gift. You truly give yourself, but it's just a word until you do it. <laughs> mm, God, isn't that true for so many things? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So tell us, um, do you mind sharing a little bit about your journey post-betrayal with your husband? Because yeah. I think that that's really interesting. I think that, uh, you know, a lot, this podcast is called Shamelessly Feminine. And I think in, in areas of betrayal is where we hold a lot of shame that if somebody betrays us or cheats on us or whatever you want to call it, then we automatically say, well, what's not good enough about me? What did I do wrong? What did it, you know, we internalize a lot of this. Um, and there's a lot of shame in telling friends and family and, and, you know, I, I, we've all been there in one way, shape or form. So Mm -hmm. tell me a little bit about that for you and how you sort of put your life back together. And again, there's no right or wrong answer. You could, you know, some people decide they're going to stay and they feel Mm -hmm. shamed for that. And some people feel like they want to leave and they feel shamed for that. Right. So there's not a right or wrong answer. I'm just curious what your experience was. Yeah. And and it's so interesting because I used to be one of those women who would judge someone else for staying. Mm-hmm. I was that. I was that woman who's like, oh my gosh, she must have such a low self-esteem. She must have. And now I realize it takes a, a warrior to stay. It, you know, I look at just the difference between forgiving and not wanting to be to rebuild with that family member and forgiving and rebuilding mm-hmm. you know, with my mm-hmm. husband. And this is a billion times harder but I would never do it. I just couldn't do it if I didn't see such t- 
total and complete transformation. And then I think, well, how is transformation possible? I'm living proof. I'm transformed. Mm-hmm. I'm that old me doesn't exist. And I see that the version of him now, but it, it is, it is a very, um, you know, it's an interesting, it's an interesting process, but for me, it helps so much to study it and, and find these five stages because like there was a woman in my you know, six week program and she said, Oh my gosh, I mean, this would have saved me 20 years. So mm-hmm. knowing that we could shorten that, knowing that we have a way out of it, knowing that the more I teach, the more I heal mm-hmm. it's, it's absolutely helped. But, um, to say that it's been easy, no way by far, hands down, hardest thing I've ever done. Mm-hmm. And I've, I've lost loved ones. I've, been in the hospital. I'm not supposed to be alive based on what happened to me years ago. Mm. So uh, this just rips your heart out like nothing other. Yeah. You know, it's funny because when you're ill, you can go to the doctor and get a prescription, right? (laughs) Or you're like, okay, this will fix it. It doesn't, it doesn't work the same way with a broken heart and with broken trust. Well, and you know what it is that that's, that's the thing, you know, it, it takes healing from a crisis has its own set of a lot to heal from, but you don't like, and this was one of the biggest cha- uh, like discrepancies that a lot of the women this said, they said, you know, I never qu- when someone died, I never questioned their love for me. Mm-hmm. You know, betrayal is if anything, it's more so when they pass, right? right? You feel like, wow, I'm so connected and I'm yeah. so, yeah. And, and with betrayal, it's, you remember all the good things with betrayal. You start going, Oh, you remember all those bad things that happen? Yeah. And because it's, it's intentional, it throws us and it's so easy for us to think that it's us. But what I'm, what I'm really learning is it's not, it's really not about us. There's a, there's an emptiness. There's a lack that that person is trying to fill, you know, I don't know if you remember what my, when we did our TEDx's together, mine was on sabotage and that was six weeks after mm. I found out. And it was really on distracting, numbing and avoiding. And that was one of the biggest reasons why I chose that topic. And because when we're so desperately trying to avoid feeling and avoid seeing who we really are, we will go through some desperate measures to avoid the truth. Mm. And for me, there was a void and I went, to spirituality, you know, and for other people, they use food or drugs or alcohol or work, TV, keeping busy, reckless behavior, anything to, to avoid saying what's, what's lacking in me that I'm trying to avoid so much. Mm. So it's, it's this whole rebuilding process, rebuilding your confidence, your, your, your self-worth has been hacked away, you know, your, um, trust, you know, it could take, I look at trust as a brick wall, you know, it could take 10, 20, 30, 40 years to build, boom, taken down in minutes. Mm-hmm. And as it get rebuilt brick by brick by brick, that's it. Mm-hmm. There's no other way. You know, you can't trust in someone for decades mm-hmm. and then think that it's going to come back that easily. You're wary yeah. with good reason. So I'm curious how your husband earned your trust back. It's a day-to-day continual, uh, constant effort that I see in the way he is with me, that I see in the way he is with the kids. This is someone who um, has taken full and complete responsibility. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as, as much as I, I look at what I go through on my end, I can't imagine what it feels like to have your children looking at you. And I know a lot of, a lot of families don't involve the kids and he chose to, I think he was so ready to come clean, Mm. but I I can't even imagine what it must be like to have your children look at you in that way. 
mm-hmm. knowing the devastation you caused that family, you, you know, you caused their mom, you caused the family. And, um, and it's so interesting because when I knew I, when I felt safe, when I felt okay, um, we actually got married again. Mm. And my kids were our bridal party. I mean, of mm. course, it was a very small, intimate thing. And um, and I, I was so worried. You know, I have two girls. I have two boys. I was so worried. You know, how are they looking at me through all this? How are they looking at us? What are they taking from this? And every single one of them saw the strength in it. You know, mm. saw the saw the mom. Wow, I. Uh, you took a hit for the team and I had no idea, Mm. you know, you could do this. You were this strong, but we're so grateful for it. My kids, four best friends now, because Mm. look what they have in common. You know, my husband and I now we're, we've known each other for 33 years. We're having more fun now. Does that mean I don't get triggered and I don't slip? No, I'd be lying if I said that Mm. it's perfect, Mm -hmm. but he's right there when I do, because why should I go through it myself? You know, I never, a big part of this healing was, I don't want him uh, looking at me like from the top of the mountaintop, like, come on, come on up. Right, right, right. No, no, no. If I, if I fell down, go right down there with me and help me up. Yeah. Okay. So this is another one of my questions then if talking about him being at the top of the mountain, let's say, you know, he's making all these changes and he's feeling really good and he's transforming. Mm -hmm. Is it important also for you to be doing the transformations and you to be, you know, what, I guess my question really is what other transformations are you making besides just healing? Are there other transformations to be made when a marriage is broken that way? A hundred percent. There are so many because, you know, it's easy to get very resentful if you see, I mean, yes, you're happy that your partner is transforming, but it's like, oh, that's really nice for you. You devastated an entire family right, <laughs> to, right. to get to your transformation. So I'm happy for you and all, but yeah, you, you want to make sure that your, your transformation happens too. And a big part of this, and this is what I see with women, we are so good about making it about everybody else, but here's the moment where you say, and that's why I signed up for this PhD program. Here's the moment where you say, yes, I am all about everybody else, but now I am insisting that it's my turn too. Mm -hmm. And you have to, and, and I talk a lot about death and rebirth. And I know that sounds kind of morbid, but I don't mean it in a morbid way. I just mean that old relationship, that old you has to no longer exist. You need to rewrite these rules Mm -hmm. to start something totally new because it's very easy because you remember who you were. You remember what it was like. And it's maybe it's easier in a way to stay like that. It's harder to say, no, 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 these are the new rules. I'm not doing that anymore. It's especially as women, it's hard to consider our own needs, but, but you have to. So what advice do you have for somebody that doesn't know what those needs even are? I mean, it's so easy for us to get detached from those needs because we are so busy taking care of everybody else. You know, there are times now even where I'm like, I need more joy in my life. I'm like, I don't even remember what brings me joy because I'm busy making lunches and, you know, cleaning up underwear off the floor. It's Mm -hmm. like, you know, what, that doesn't bring me joy. So, you know, how, what, what methods do you encourage women to use to discover what lights them up that way? Yeah. the, The first thing I would say is say is we have a quiz that actually tells them how deeply they're struggling with post betrayal syndrome physically, mentally, emotionally, psychologically, spiritually. So they will know exactly, you know, how deep in this they are. Cause you, you can't change what you're not even aware of. Mm-hmm. So you need to become aware. And then from there it's, here's the thing too, a lot of people, and I know it sounds like a no brainer to say, well, of course I want to heal, but so often, and this sounds crazy, you give up a lot of secondary gain if you do. 
Because if you're looking at the benefit of, oh, but I get so much sympathy, I get to stay stuck. I don't have to think. I don't have to leave. I don't have it to serves ask. you. It, listen, we don't do things that don't serve us. It's and right. we may not be acknowledging why, why or how it serves us, but it's serving you at some point until it doesn't anymore, I guess, right? Absolutely. And we have to be willing to change that story or give up that story. So, you know, you have to at least get to that point and say, okay, well, I can, and I have every right to hang on to the story, but is there another story that even though I'm not living it yet, that I can believe in that would serve me so much better? And when you can grab onto that and say, I don't even know what it looks like. I don't know what it feels like, but I want that. That's enough. Mm. And then, and trust your intuition. You shut it down, but turn it back on again and let it, you know, let it guide you. I'm telling you, I don't, I didn't even know. I remember a friend of mine saying, it's like, I just knew I had to sign up for something. And she said, um, and I said, gosh, I was, you know, I already had a master's in holistic nutrition, whatever. And I was like, should I go into nutrition? I'm like, no. And she sat me down. She goes, let's, you ever want to go back for a PhD? I go, you have no idea. She said, you know, I was thinking of psychology. I was like, oh, me too. She goes, how about transpersonal psychology? I said, what the heck is that? And she said, it's the psychology of transformation of human potential. Sure enough, I signed up. She never did. We have guides, you know, little angels that just show up. Yeah. And, and I just let it... Every just, day, but you have to be open to it. Have to be open. Have to be open to it. Wow, that's amazing. So how many years ago did we do the TEDx talk? How many years? I, it had to be about three years. Wow. Wow. Yeah. So I just want to sort of paint a picture also for anybody because, uh, you know, who's listening, because obviously they can't see you and I can, and I've met you a million times before. So uh, Debbie's hot. Can I say that? <laughs> she's beautiful. Hey. She's clearly brilliant. I mean, this is a woman that you look at as another woman and go, wow, she's got her shit together. You know, like I want to be like that. Like she stood on that stage. I remember at TEDx and I was like, wow, she is slamming in all areas of her life. <laughs> and the reason I bring that up is twofold. One is because I think so often when there's betrayal, we go, oh my gosh, I'm not good enough. I'm not thin enough. I'm not sexy enough. I'm not whatever it is that we do to ourselves. But number two, I hope I don't lose my train of thought for number two. Oh, number two, it's very easy for us to look at other women and say, oh, look, she's got her shit together and judge ourselves on that as well. I had no idea that six weeks before you had just found out that there was betrayal mm-hmm. in your marriage. Mm-hmm. Um, it's so, you know, we do this. We're, we compare ourselves to other women often. Mm-hmm. And um, I always say like for me, because I had a mastectomy and I have these scars, the only thing separating you and me and the truth is this little piece of clothing, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, you never really know what's going on with people. And just to have, you know, for women, women to connect with each other and have the sympathy and the empathy and the, you know, being able to support each other through difficult things and try to put that judgment aside. Because like you, I've also judged women in the past. Mm-hmm. Oh, she left or she stayed or what, you know, we all, mm-hmm. it's, it's human nature. But if you have that moment, you have that thought, and then you need to say to yourself, you know what? I have no idea what's going on behind closed doors. I don't know what she's going through. I don't know what she's thinking. And, you know, people that look like they have their shit together don't always, you know, and, and just to be sympathetic and empathetic to other women. Oh, it's so true. And I remember really early on, I wasn't ready to talk to my friends about it because they loved him. And and this is another thing. We protect our betrayers. That's that's what goes on in a lot of these instances. And, and he actually called all my friends and apologized. Mm. So that was another thing they did. But I remember going to, uh, it was like a birthday lunch we all went to. And I was like, well, if I don't go, they're going to know something's wrong. And, and, and so I, I remember going and I, I was last to get there and I was the first to leave. And I just barely spoke. And, and I, I think I, I wasn't feeling well. So I just said I wasn't feeling well because I can't lie. And, um, but I wasn't, I just wasn't ready. But, you, you know, they didn't know. They were probably like, oh, she probably has a headache. Right. 
people don't know that there's, you know, there's so much going on that we're not aware of. And, and like you said, yeah, just six weeks before that, that talk, my world just crashed. Mm. So we don't know. No. So your husband sounds like he's a stand-up guy as far as taking responsibility and making the change and showing you love and earning your trust again. Mm-hmm. This might be a judgmental comment, but I want to say they're all not like that. No, <laughs> so they're, they're not. What happens if somebody finds themselves in a situation where they do want to work it out, they do want to stay, and they're not getting that same support from their husband? It's, it's a very hard call. And I... I you know, how can I say to anyone what they should or shouldn't do? I would just say, uh, it's your turn. And you've been blindsided. You've been so deeply, deeply hurt. And you better make sure that you restore your own confidence and value and worthiness and get what you need and what you deserve to feel good. And if that's the limit to what you feel you deserve. I do some real soul searching as mm-hmm. to why. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's great advice. All right, so tell me uh, anybody that's gone through this or wants to learn more about your program or anything else that they want to learn. Where can they find you? I would say the first, just take that quiz. PBT PBT stands for Post Betrayal Transformation. PBTinstitute.com forward slash quiz. Take that quiz. Very interesting. I appreciate your time. I appreciate your candidness. It's not easy to talk about these things. And I appreciate you taking the time to be with me today. And I hope I get to see you again soon. I know. Let's do it for sure. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Shamelessly Feminine Podcast. If you loved what you heard, be sure to leave a rating and review on iTunes so that more women can learn to live a badass life. To learn more about this movement, go to shamelesslyfeminine.com and join our Shamelessly Feminine Facebook group. Until next time, go out there and be the boss of your life.